hashtag blessed. Uh, we're learning what it means to be blessed and how we can live blessed lives. And if we're not careful, we will determine what it means to be blessed by looking at the world around us. So uh, last week I opened up with uh, the current Twitter feed on hashtag blessed. So I'll give you some that uh, came across uh, this week. Uh, this one was this one was up near the top again. Thank you, God, for waking me up this morning. Hashtag blessed. This is a common theme. Like people are just glad like to wake up. Like God, thank you that like uh, like you have alarm clocks, right? Like our phones, like it's built in. I I don't have trouble getting up in the morning, but apparently that means a lot to this person. This is this sounds sweet. Dear Heavenly Father, I am thankful for another unpromised day on this earth. Hashtag blessed. Here's one for you. Uh, little little American pride here. How does it feel to wake up in the greatest nation in the world, safe and protected by a POTUS who cares and a hashtag military willing to give their lives for us? Hashtag America first. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> the Bible doesn't teach America first, by the way, but more on that later. Uh, it's good to have some U.S. pride. How about thanks to my coaches, teammates, and fans for making my first year as a Clemson Tiger? Boo. To remember, hashtag blessed. This one's funny. I've only been on this sugar detox for six hours, and it's amazing how much my outlook has changed. You could say that after waking up in the morning. Like, <laughs> already, all caps, I want to destroy everyone in my path and salt the earth they walked upon. <laughs> Incredible results. Hashtag blessed, hashtag changed. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't want to be around this person at 12 hours, okay? Hashtag blessed, Kentucky doesn't have to play another game versus Lamar Jackson. Uh, let's see. Hashtag blessed, I got to watch Lamar Jackson play football from the sideline. Hashtag blessed. My confidence is so contagious. Need some? Hashtag birthday, hashtag 24, hashtag blessed. You aren't truly hashtag blessed unless you get it tattooed on you. Hashtag facts. <laughs> okay, so um, basically people have lots of ideas on what it means to be blessed. Right? Um, last week we talked about how money reveals our hearts, and, and we're going to talk more about that. Why would I do that? Because it's a quick way we should be trying to fill the church, not empty the church. And, and as a pastor, you quickly learn some subjects are very difficult, not just to keep people's attention, but if they are looking at you, they don't look at you as nicely as they were looking at you. And then they decide to, like, not come because you've hurt their feelings. But why would we talk about this? Well, in the Bible, there are 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 on faith, but over 2,000 on money and possessions. Maybe because that has everything to do with our faith, and, and what we're praying about, right? Jesus talked about finances in 16 out of his 13, 38 parables. Sounds like a solid 40 plus percent. Jesus said he came to set the captives free, and I believe I would be a lousy pastor if I didn't share God's freedom in this area with you. Um, this is not just a manipulation so that you give more to this church. It, it's honestly not. Some of you are new here. Uh, talk to somebody who knows me at all. This isn't my game. I don't beg for money. We don't play the manipulation thing. But I believe that we should be teaching life in every area possible from this pulpit. Um, 
I want financial peace in my life, and I want it for all of you, and I am still learning. This principle will change our life. If somebody knows where my iPad is, I'm hoping it wasn't stolen last week. But I feel so 1980s right now. This, this church was remodeled in 81, and I feel like, I feel like I'm you, and, and I don't want to be that old yet. He is my pastor from when I was a kid. He preached in this building, and uh, I think his were handwritten, though, or like probably etched in stone or something. I don't know. So we're, we're at least in the 80s here. Uh, here's the deal. Today, I want you to know that my heart is not to make anybody to feel guilty, condemned, or ashamed. Let me describe how the Holy Spirit works when we're taught something. Uh, the Holy Spirit, there's a different word. Instead of condemnation, a, a church word is called conviction. Like you, What's conviction? Conviction is realized truth. So if you are convicted about something, not convicted of something, okay, uh, let's, let's hopefully none of it, nobody's being convicted of anything right now. But if, if you feel convicted about something, like what's something you're passionate about? Maybe uh, a simple thing would be like your favorite team, and you might be convicted whether they are, you know, great or terrible right now. Or I am convinced that the Buckeyes played an absolute snoozer in their, in their bowl game. Um, but I'm also, I, I have a strong conviction that God loves everyone and that he wants to set everyone free. That's something that is a realized truth in my life. I was taught it by my parents, and I was taught it uh, at Trinity growing up, but it had to become a realized truth for me. I had to claim it at some point for my own heart. Does that make sense? And so conviction is when all of a sudden you realize something is true, and then what can happen is if you realize, okay, this is right, and then you realize that what you're doing is wrong, and then you have to reconcile. That can be, there, there's a tension there, and that's okay. That's what the Holy Spirit does. When, when you're going through God's word, when you're being taught it, and hopefully going through it on your own, you should have moments of realized truth, and there should, become, there should come moments of tension between what you are currently doing and what God is showing you to be true. Does that make sense? If you never get those moments, it means you should be teaching God, and that's really not ever going to happen, okay? So the Christian life should actually be full of moments of conviction. That's a good thing because it means you are growing. Don't you want your kids to have moments of realized truth, and you're very frustrated when they don't realize the truth? You're trying, okay, we're on the same page. So my heart is to show you in God's word a principle that has the potential to increase our faith and open up God's favor and blessing on our life. Today's message is called Who's on First? I was trying to have a clip from the old Abbott and Costello bit, Who's on First? Uh, which is very funny to watch him lose his mind and, and to have this little bit about who's on first. But we're going to look at what God says about tithing because God has, he wants us to put him first in every area of our lives. Uh, many of us here today are going through serious financial hardships. Uh, this economy, the economy can be incredibly tough, and some of us are just making it. So I'm sensitive to that. That's part of my life story. Um, I, this, this is normal. Uh, a question for us is have we truly put God first in our finances? And so like a child asking his father to fix something, at this point my son is 13, I take my phone and computer to him, okay, and say, fix it. But not that long ago, before he decided that he knew everything, 
Do you guys have one of those in your family? What did your kids do when something broke? They'd come walking up to you in tears or otherwise and say, this is broken. What do they want you to do about it? Get a new one or fix it if you can. So if, if the kid comes up to the dad and says, fix this, and the dad reaches down, but the kid won't let go of the toy, how can he fix the toy? Right? So I know many people that want God to help them or fix their finances, but we hold on to it and still expect God to be able to fix it. Are you with me? The amens are getting quieter, so keep coming. Um, how we handle our finances tells God who's first in our lives. Let's first go to the Old Testament where God is setting some standards and principles for how his people should live. In Exodus 13, it says this, that you shall set apart to the Lord all that comes from the womb. That is, every firstborn that comes from an animal, what you have, the males shall be the Lord's. But every firstborn you shall redeem uh, with a lamb. And I, I know I'll explain all this in a minute. And, and all the firstborn of men, men among, among your sons you shall redeem. God didn't play. This is how his people were supposed to place him first. So what would happen is, is if an animal, the first one born, if it was basically unblemished and perfect, then they would give that as a sacrifice. That's how they worshiped. It was God-ordained, and we don't thankfully have to do that nowadays. If the animal was blemished, they would have to sacrifice a perfect lamb in place of that animal. And what this is a picture of, if you move forward, is that uh, every time one of your animals delivered its firstborn, you had to redeem it. This was a picture of Jesus, the lamb, God's firstborn son, who is clean. And another scripture said that God, that, that Jesus is the firstborn of many sons. And so when we say family church is where we welcome home people to God and his family, we believe that when people cross the line of faith and choose to come home to Father God and, and follow Jesus with their lives, that they are basically at that moment reclaiming God as father and he is reclaiming them at that moment as their child, as his child. Does that make sense? So Jesus was his was his one and only son. And the scripture says that he would be the firstborn of many. And so God gives us a picture back through this early system of what was to come through Jesus, that Jesus, who was perfect, would be sacrificed for all of us in our imperfections. And so the, 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 the picture there for us is that God gave first. Tithe means a tenth. Tithing for us means that when we receive income, uh, that we set aside the very first part of it and bring it to God. This is not about being legalistic. It's about it's about where God stands in your life. Um, and it's not about the church needing money. Um, the church always does. Every church does. If you ask if you ask 100 out of 100 pastors, they'll tell you they could use more money and they could use more people serving. That Those things are, are never going to change because the need is always great. And so what is God really concerned about? God is concerned about our hearts and where we place him in it. He's concerned about the condition of our hearts. God has shown us how to give first. He gave his only son for us so that we could have eternal life. If you can grab anything from today's message is this. It is obedience to give. It's faith to give first. Those are the two parts. It's obedience to give. It's faith to give first. What do I mean by that? 
God gave Jesus first in faith when we were sinners. God didn't wait to see if we would change or if we would repent. God put the gift of his son out there, and he's out there for all of us to accept or reject. Coming to church is giving the first to the Lord. For me, I seem to run out of time quicker than I run out of money. Does anybody else, or maybe both, like you feel like they just, like the calendar and the checkbook, like it's like this shrinking, like stop, slow down. And when you turn around and now my youngest just turned 13, it's like um, I'm still 20-something, right? You know, like, uh, yeah. And where does the time go, right? But when I look at my week, if I was to look at it on the surface, now I, this is, I, I work for the church, so it's a little skewed. Um, but there were times before we were in ministry that we had to look at our week, and we would make the choice of, I don't have time to go to church this week. Right? And I would bet that most of us could find something else to do. At, at the very least, just get a morning's rest. And when you drove by most of your neighbors this morning, their cars were still there because they're either resting or they have something else to do today. Some people are scheduled to work. I know that it doesn't always work out. Uh, like sometimes you don't have a choice today. But when you set aside time to come and worship God every week and to be a part of what he's doing at church, you are, you are giving him the first of your week and you're counting on him to redeem the rest of your week. And so when I hear people say, I can't be there because, because, because they are not trusting God with their time. I, I can't say it any, I don't mean to say it meanly, but I also can't say that any nicer. Does that make sense? And so tell your neighbor right now, good job. You put God first this week. You came to church. I love that. Good job, good job, good job. But that's, it's one of the reasons why it's important. There's another scripture that says not to forsake the assembly. There's, there's something about our faith that is, 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 is healthier and really can only be healthy when we're living it out with other people. And so it really is not supposed to just be Sundays. We're supposed to be walking out our faith with other people throughout the week, which is why we have Bible studies that hopefully you can make when you can get to home groups. Hopefully you're doing something else with another believer during the week. It's not so that you stay away from the world. It's so that you make each other strong and you can go through this life together. Does that make sense? So, so all these things that we do are ways that we put God first. And honestly, when somebody comes to church, it's a, I believe it's a significant way of telling God that he's important in your life. I really do. It's not about being legalistic. Uh, someone can go to church their whole life, I believe, and not go to heaven. Uh, if they never give their hearts to him. But when you have said God is important and then you make time to learn and worship him, I believe it changes things. Um, I believe that giving God the first is how we show, uh, show him that we trust him. Have you ever heard this said or, 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 somebody's t or you feel this way about church, that your, your week doesn't seem to go right if you don't make it? Like it just kind of sets the tone, right? That, that's, that's what God does. Um, Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Wow. Um, 
even still, like, let's go back to what, what does it mean to be blessed? Some would say it means to be blessed when you have more than enough. I've come to the place in my life where I see it as a blessing to have what I need. Um, and we're going we're gonna to talk about, the Apostle Paul teaches this one great, this, this one powerful phrase where he says, I've learned basically to be without and I've learned to have a lot. And he basically says, I'm blessed all the way. Where that's, that's probably next week, if not week four. And, and, um, and just what that means to just to say, I'm blessed. Um, why on earth would God need to give us more than what we need? It's kind of like getting this church. We, we have about 50 people coming on a Sunday right now. It, it can fluctuate all during the year. Um, this was more than we needed. So, like, we, we, we're, I feel like we're overflowing, like, like God just, like, poured something out. I can definitely say that we're blessed to have this building, but why would he give the extra to you? Why would he? Is it so you can have a party? Well, I'm, I'm going to sit in this seat for the first song, and I'm going to sit in that seat for the second song, and I'm going to take a nap while Adam's preaching uh, back there and wrote. Maybe somebody is back there. I don't know. But uh, why would he overflow our storehouse? Is it to be like Uncle Scrooge where he just dives into money and just, like, plays with it and counts it? Like, this is woo! No, he wants us to have extra so that it just flows through us. And what you'll find is the, is, is the most generous people, uh, sometimes they have a lot, but it's like this fluid thing that's just, it's just pouring through their lives out to other people. This is a promise with a condition. If you do this, God will do this. If we honor God first, he promises a blessing. I'm going to embarrass a friend right now because I want to make sure that we uh, honor him. Mike, raise your hand. I won't make you stand up. Say hi, Mike. He's the realtor that helped us get this awesome deal. Say thanks, Mike. <laughs> That's his beautiful wife in front of him, and, and their kids are here today. And, and so he's, he's told, told me he'd come at some point, and I just am so glad that, that he was able to today. But uh, he's a friend uh, from, of Danielle's from high school, and we've gotten to know, know them over the years. And, and, uh, and he helped us get this deal. We were in contract at 180, and, and he, like, beat them up, you know. And, uh, and, and he held him in a headlock until they went down to 150 on this thing. So, so uh, he's awesome. And uh, so anyways, uh, Exodus 23, 19 says this. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. From the very beginning, God knew that money and wealth would fight for control of our hearts. We shared a scripture last week about um, uh, it's, a, it's a misquoted verse that says for the love or where people say money is the root of all evil. It's actually for the love of money is the root of all evil. And that love of money comes from this word that's used in the Bible called mammon, basically a spirit behind possessions, behind wealth, that is basically when you are trusting in another way of getting what you need other than from God above. And so, and so when you are leaning into that as your source, or you'd ever be foolish enough to look at yourself and say, gosh, because of my awesomeness, we have this. Oh, 
right? Well, who, who are you giving credit to? And so this is, this is what this, this series is about. It's about seeing yourself as blessed regardless of what's in your hand just because of who you are in God. And when God says that you're one of his kids, it means you're blessed. It means he's taking care of you, which is all that you need, which means you are blessed. The concept of first fruits is, is throughout the Bible. Okay, so if you're maybe familiar with, here's an old story in the Bible where uh, the people of, of God's people come out of, the, come out of Egypt and they're on their way to get their promised land, right? Does that sound a little familiar? And so you've got Moses leading them through. Moses gets them all the way outside, and then Joshua takes over. Those are other stories for other days. But before they go in to conquer the promised land, God gives them this instruction. The first city they fight, I'll give you a hint, they march around it a few times. Jericho. It's any Sunday school memories coming back, you know? Maybe the Sunday teacher had you march around the room or something. God said something interesting. He said, all of the silver and the gold, when you conquer Jericho, is mine. And then as you move throughout the rest of the promised land and conquer it, that's all yours. Huh. So the first was given right back to God. He asked for the good stuff from one city and then said, that's all for you. And some of the promises in Scripture to God's people are things like this, that you will live in houses and cities that you didn't build. We're in a church that we did not earn on our own. Are you seeing that? This is just God saying, here's a big church. Like, you didn't do anything to deserve this. You didn't carve away all the time and, and pile up the money and, and just work, 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 and this is what I did, and this is my goal, this is my result. No. God just said, boom. I mean, this is fast. This is crazy fast. And so when God is in the middle of something and when he's leading his people and his people are putting them him first, you will experience supply in your life and provision that you can't account for. I'll give you an example. Yesterday, I mean, you can find reasons. Well, well, somebody wrote a check. Okay. Nobody just writes a check for something this big without God saying do it. I, I mean, that buys like two Corvette like Z06s. Like that's, that's, that's what people do that have lots of money that don't listen to God. Like they go have fun with it. Can you tell I like cars? But when you put God first and, and he just, he brings things into your life. So yesterday I checked the mail and usually adult mail, like as a kid, you look forward to a letter with your name on it, right? As a kid, it's a good thing. As an adult, you just know somebody else wants their money. And so I see three envelopes from uh, Ohio Health except that I can see in the window, I can tell that they're checks. Friends, hospitals really don't give away money. Like, they really like it when you give them money, you know. Uh, and so sure enough, here was somehow wires had been crossed, and here was the money back. It was just for three copays. 
but here were three checks for $30 each. Now, friends, in my world, $90 is a happy, $90 to the positive is, is ding, ding. You're like, I, like, we may get like the $6 pizza at Little Caesars instead of the $5 pizza. Like, this is going to be, this is going to be a good week, right? But what I've experienced in my life is, is, you know, where Danielle and I have structured our life to stay in the ministry, and all joking aside, you know that you're, 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 you're going to make less than where maybe you could here or there or whatever. It doesn't matter. We've watched God bring things into our life that I cannot take credit for. And I can only, I can only say that those things have happened because of, of, of how we've been able to put God first, and we've not always gotten it right. God says, you can have all the rest, but give the first to me. He didn't say, after you've conquered the promised land, then give me 10%. That's what I'm getting at. It's obedience to give. It's faith when given first. It can be illustrated like this. Okay. My kids don't know I have this. That's why I still have it in my pocket. Okay. Say you make $10. $10, I think. How much is the tithe on ten dollars? Well, one. You're a cheater. The first one. Is it possible to give and not be tithing? Here's what I'm getting at. It's not about the money. It's about our hearts. It's faith when we give first. If you, if you take care of everything else and then you've managed to keep some back, and that's when you give to God, who's the priority? When we wait and see if there's enough left over to bring God his portion. Um, Malachi 3 says this, Well, a mere mortal robbed God, yet you robbed me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? It says in tithes and offerings, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Now, God was talking to the godly nation of Israel that was supposedly had God first. And he's saying, you guys are messed up because you're not getting this as a group. But this still transfers down to us in Malachi 3.10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And one of the most interesting phrases, I believe, in the whole Bible, it says, test me in this. Test me in this says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. So there is this blessing when we give to God first. Uh, we see several spots in Scripture that when we give to God first, his blessing is on the rest. There's a couple stories of where a prophet uh, would visit somebody in the Old Testament and uh, one woman who's so poor that all she has, like, she said, we're going to eat this last little meal, and, and then we're basically going to die. Like, we're, we're tapped out. We're done. This is our last little bit. And the prophet has the nerve to say, well, make me something first. Well, what kind of jerk traveling preacher goes to some poor woman's house and takes her last little bit of, of oil, milk, and, or, and, and flour and says, I'd like to eat dinner, please. 
God better tell me to do something like that, okay? Because I, I, I don't ask people that don't have money for stuff. Like, you just, you just hope that they get the break that they need. But she does. And then there's a story where he says, another one, he says, go and collect all the jars from all your neighbors and begin to pour the oil. I'm mixing two stories, but there's these, these similarities in scriptures where God just says, honor me by trusting me and watch heaven pour out into your life. And as I said before, it's not about, uh, let's see, we've, we've had these hashtag blessed. It's like, it's not like new car, hashtag blessed, or, or I got a raise, hashtag blessed, or I finally have this much money in my savings account, hashtag blessed. I finally live in the neighborhood that I want to live in, hashtag blessed. No, 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 and no. I love the house I get to live in. I love my little car. But my gosh, those are gifts that I'm glad I get to enjoy. But I can guarantee you that depending on where I live, I'm still going to tell God that I'm blessed. And and that's where he wants us to get to. Um, and so God didn't call us here and give us this building just to have a nicer place to hang out and watch the people around us struggle around us. God's plan is to use his church to reach the world. He uses the local church as his storehouse. Um, I know most people would, would rather the government not be as huge as it is and have to do all of the things for people that it does. But guess what gap the government filled? The one the church vacated. The church used to meet people's needs and still does in many cases. I know, I know ministries that are just unbelievable. I got to help Pastor Lloyd down there at Victory Ministries in Whitehall over Christmas, and it is unbelievable what they do for people. It's awesome. And because of churches and people serving and because of money pouring in so that they can pour out on people. So God's people are doing stuff, but that need was supposed to be met by the church. And yet many churches are just trying to keep the lights on, right? And that's because they're supposed to be this channel of just a wave of God's love out to the people around us. The family church exists to welcome people home to God, his family, and, and, his, and his plans for their lives. But it's always about our hearts. Is God truly first? Here's the deal. This is just the truth. The outreach, our, our resources for outreach from family church will always be limited to what we collectively bring to God. Does that make sense? It's, it's the truth. So whatever we bring, now we're going to be as careful with it as possible. We don't have a mortgage payment. We don't pay rent. That's really cool. Uh, we're super excited to see our first electric bill. Uh, but, uh, but guess what? After, after we pay me, after we pay our utilities, guess what everything else is for? It's to, it's to reach out to the people around us. It's to meet needs. It's to, it's to draw people in to, to, uh, so that they can 
encounter the living God. And so we want to be a place where people find God. Does that make sense? And so we can do that through meeting needs. And so it's important that we have what we need here. It's really about ownership versus stewardship. Bring versus give. Listen to this. The tithe is never given. Here's, here's another way it, it, that we've got to keep tweaking our hearts. How do you give something to somebody that gave it to you in the first place? This is where our pride still stays in, even if, even if we're giving to God. We say, I'm, God, you need this. <laughs> no. He wants your heart. The tithe is never given. It's always brought. How can I give something that isn't mine? Psalm 24, 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, everything I have, including my family, ultimately belongs to God. And I get to take care of it. A, a church word for that is called stewardship. Like, I get to steward those things that he's given to me. When we tithe back to God, we're only returning what is his. We prove to him that he is first in our lives. And for some of this, this is for people. Um, if, if you're new to, to the faith, if you're figuring out who God is in your life, um, I, I want you to just to be here in the heart portions of this. Um, so much of this is, is geared towards uh, uh, people that have, have maybe been with God for a while, but the tithe can never be designated. I've heard this phrase. Um, well, I will, I'll tithe, uh, like they'll see a need in the church and say, well, I'll tithe that. That's not how it works. It's your tithe is, is brought back without, a, without any sort of strings attached to it so that the church can use it for what it's needed. Now, if you see something's needed and you just want to give it to the church, then that's great. But don't confuse yourself that 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 you are meeting a need. Like it, it's about bringing God what's His, and then Him using it to 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 take care of things. It's obedience to tithe. It's faith when given first. Imagine my finances, and I know some of you are uncomfortable today, and I I, I apologize for that. But there's a freedom in this message that God wants us to have. I tortured my poor son with this in the house yesterday. Did I tell you I have a 13-year-old son? You bring something like an apple pie in the house, and you better be on your guard. If this represents what I've worked for, I've been waiting for this pie because I've worked hard for it. Anybody getting excited about pie? Well, I got to give a piece to my uncle, Uncle Sam. Anybody else give pieces of their pie to Uncle Sam?
The freedom in this message is that God loves you. He wants you to be free in every area of your life. So what do we do? Well, first of all, if this message made you feel like a loser or you feel ashamed or maybe you resent this message and maybe you feel a little bitter or angry, then I would, I would say that the enemy is lying to you so that you resist God's truth. And he'll come at you a few different ways. All right, he'll say something like, this is just the church doing what they do. It's not, it, this, is, this is God's truth. I, I, I have, I'm obligated to share it with you. Or he'll make you feel like a loser, ashamed. I know a lot of people would say, I, I want to give, but I can't. As I opened with earlier, the Holy Spirit doesn't bring a feeling of I'm a loser. And the Holy Spirit definitely does not bring a spirit of rebellion. Those are both opposed to God's truth. Does that make sense? The Holy Spirit brings conviction. And what did we say conviction was? Conviction is when you realize something is true. And sometimes you know something's true, and you're like, I'm already in line with it. And then sometimes you realize that something is true, and you're like, I'm not in line with it. And you feel that tension. That tension is okay. That comes from the Holy Spirit when we encounter his truth. And then it's up to us, just like every other time, we are challenged by the word of God, and we can choose to accept it or to reject it. That's what God gave us. He gave us the spirit of free will. He gave us free will. Freedom comes when we repent of our disobedience and when we choose obedience every, every time. And so every time when you come across this to these, these points in your life, and I've seen, I've seen Christians do this. They will have a, a godly life, and they live for him, but there will still be one area that they are saying no to God in. Are they still Christians? Everybody say yes. But what you're doing is you're leaving a place in your life that God is not allowed, and, and his blessing can't really work there because it hasn't been yielded to him. So sometimes this can be in the area of relationships. Sometimes this can be in the area of an addiction. Sometimes it can be in the area of just something that he is calling you to obedience in like this. And guess what? Every person in here is not perfect. So I'm still struggling with some of these points that I've come to with God. Does that make sense? But I need to be reminded of these things, of what God is really after, and that's because he's not just after 10% of my heart. He wants all of it. So how do we start? If you realize that something is, is the right thing to do and you don't know how to do it, the first thing I would suggest is to take a step of faith with your next, with your next income. And if you are, if, if things just on paper, you're like, I, this is scrambled eggs and there's no way I can separate the eggs at this point and I don't know how to get through there, that's when you ask for help. There's programs like Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University that have set so many people free, including myself, that will, that will help you organize your life. Some people see numbers so easily. Uh, for most, I know, especially with electronic bill pay and, and with 
uh, with things that are on auto pay, there's never like these stop points. It's not like I wait to here, then I get the money, and then everything goes out. It's like this this thing's in motion, baby. Like it, the, there better be income here because the cycle's already, you know, the cycle's already going around, right? So you might need to get tools that you don't have, and that's okay. Not everybody is born good with money or able to plan out a budget or, or whatever else. You might need to get somebody to walk alongside with you with this, and I'll be happy to help you find that person. I've had to lean on a lot of other people to help me uh, have organization and, and uh, financially, and thankfully Danielle just takes care of stuff because uh, I'm crazy. I like cars. <laughs> Too much. Who's on first this morning? Can we pray? This is, these are one of the things that, that are, I, I can be honest with you, I, I, I should be excited to teach because of the freedom behind it, but I, I, I don't look forward to because of the, I'm not here to make people feel bad. I'm not here to manipulate people. But God reminds me that what we are here for is to set people free. And the statistics on financial bondage are unbelievable. Our country is so broke, it's ridiculous. And the people around us, and maybe even ourselves, we are drowning. And yet we love and serve a God that owns it all. So why should I be drowning in the pool behind my father's house? Why? When he's given me the way out. And the way out is to keep him first. It's not a trick. It's not manipulation. It's love. Because he knows our struggles. I'm not here to embarrass anybody. But with eyes closed, if you want prayer and agree in prayer with this area in your life and you want to just slip your hand up, I want to agree with you in prayer today. And just like the kid holding up a broken toy, are you ready to let God, are you ready to let go of it? You want his help today. If that's you, would you just raise your hand just quickly where you're at? Nobody's looking around except me. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. God offers freedom. He doesn't offer more chains. He offers freedom. And he offers all of heaven. And he asks us to yield our hearts to him. Father God, I pray for my brothers and sisters that have raised their hands today. Just like a child holding up a broken toy, that, that's an acknowledgement that, that it's out, it's beyond us. And that we need you. 
And Father God, I thank you that you love us enough that you want us healed. And your word shows us how. It starts with putting you first. And then, Father, beyond that, it, it's, it's applying your, your ways of thinking to, the, to, to, to how we use our resources. So, Father God, I thank you for your healing that's available in this area. If you've never given your heart to God, instead of holding up your finances or, or let's say, a sickness that you're dealing with, it begins with our heart. If you've never chosen to trust God with your life, and today's that day where you want to cross that line of faith and you want to say yes to Jesus, would you raise your hand? That's what we're here for. We want to pray with you. God is so good. Father God, we thank you for this word, God. We thank you for the freedom that's in it. God, we thank you that you want to hold no good thing from us. And God, we thank you that your word says to test you in this. And the last time I checked, you haven't failed any tests. You're the one we can count on. You're the one that we can lean on. And you're our source, God. Help this be a church. Help this be a group of people and families that trust God. We thank you for your freedom, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Can we stand and close in worship this morning?